message is part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Today's teaching is by Pastor Daryl Ruin. I, um, am I working? Good. I kind of feel like, um, <clears throat> kind of feel like Maverick after he lost Goose and, uh, he's trying to get back in the seat, you know? Uh, you kind of know you just got to get back in there and do it, right? And, um. But you're asking yourself if uh, you ever really will be able to. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about it. It's hard for a couple reasons. One, uh, because what I do up here is so tied, so tied up in everything that's going on. You know, um, I don't do a job that's unrelated to the last two and a half months. So... Um, you know, I question sitting here and doing this. But then this morning, um, which I hadn't hadn't really hadn't really thought through till I came in for prayer. But um, um, I I didn't uh, certainly I didn't do uh, this. I'm not responsible. For Cornerstone, um, it was uh, uh, the dream of a couple people. So, <clears throat> all right. Uh, Some of you are probably wondering why 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 are you here and and those are the reasons because i I kind of felt like I just needed to be here if I was going to make it back into this seat i needed to i needed to not wait very long and also uh I wanted to be with you guys. you have been amazing uh, I want to thank you for um just everything and things I don't even know about I've heard a little and um just continue to be blown away by not just your uh, your care for us, but your care for each other. Um, it's one thing for you to love us and come alongside of us. And that's a, an amazing thing. But for a number of years now, Kimberly and I have been um, have been trying to point this church in the direction of being a church family and not just a not just a you know, congregation of people who get together on Sundays, but an actual church family. And from what I'm hearing, um, that's never been more evident than the last few days. So that has been very encouraging to hear that you've been getting together and you've been praying together and you've been calling and texting each other and and leaning on one another is um, probably one of the most encouraging things for me. In this, that um, what uh, what this church has been for, and what Kimberly 
uh, gave herself to in this ministry is it's working, it's happening. Um, I wish I could have been in a lot of the spaces and places where you guys have been getting together and and just uh, sharing stories and and uh, being there for one another and talking about Kimberly and your memories and things and uh, just to hear those things. Um, I wish I could. I wish I could hear each one of them. Uh, what I absolutely love is hearing that relationships are at the center of what's going on. First John is where we started just before Mother's Day, and um, we just uh, we just got into it. And I want to read the words because I've been thinking about them, and I think they uh, they're encouraging for what's going on. John said, what was from the beginning and what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. And here's his first reason why. So that you too may have fellowship with us. Koinonia. The root word means common. So that you can have this essential and baseline commonality together. And not only with us, but with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Because John would say that's who His fellowship is with. It's where real fellowship happens. It's where real relationships come together and it's it's encouraging to me to hear that that's uh, that's been going on a um, couple things you know I, I I want you to know that um, you know you, because I'm not able to answer all your texts or emails or phone calls etc uh, I, I do want you to know that I am I am talking to people um, I, I am talking to people and so I just want, I know some of you have asked or encouraged me, hey, make sure you're, you know, you're talking about this. And um, so I am. And, uh, and the boys, they're, they're okay. They're doing, uh, they're doing really well. Um, you know, in the New Testament alone, we talk about this idea of fellowship and the importance of relationships and, and being church family. If you were to look at the statistics in just the New Testament alone, the the word that is used over and over is a word that we translate one another. And there's so many one another's in the New Testament that it really it really overwhelms any other concept or principle in the New Testament. Um, one scholar said that it takes up about 44 percent concept wise of what you have in your New Testament letters apart from the Gospels. Just to give you a little bit of a framework of how that, how that, uh, how big that number is, spiritual gifts only get about four percent. We're told, and actually we're commanded, fifty-nine times, to do things like we'll love one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another above yourselves, live in harmony with one another, build up one another, be like-minded towards one another, accept one another. Admonish, care for, serve, bear, forgive, be patient with, be kind and compassionate, speak with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with one another, submit to one another, consider 
one another. Consider others better than yourselves. Look to the interests of one another. Bear with one another. Teach, comfort, encourage, stir up, show hospitality. Employ the gifts that God has given you for the benefit of one another. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Pray for one another. Confess your faults to one another, etc., etc., etc. And those are, just, those are just the things we're supposed to do. Uh, that's not even to mention all the things that it says in regard to one another that we're not supposed to do. We're to do these things because we belong to one another, Romans 12.5 and Ephesians 4.25 say. All these commands do not take into account the things that we're, we're not even supposed to do to one another. Uh, some of you who are in business world, you, you know the name Stephen Covey, and he said in regard to relationships and all relationships, whether it's business relationships, uh, family, marriage relationships, he said no amount of technical administrative skill in laboring for the masses can make up for lack of nobility of personal character in developing relationships. Relationships really are the most important thing. I've been impressed by the Holy Spirit about that one truth for a couple of years now. It's probably the root of why we've been pushing that this be a church family and not just a a gathering of the masses. I like the definition of the church given by A theologian named Andrew Kirk, he says this, What the New Testament means by church is not an institution which owns property, performs rites, and organizes meetings. Or even one one that plans strategies to evangelize unreached people. Rather, it is a group of ordinary people who, because they are experiencing the immense grace of a compassionate God, are learning how to overcome hostility in this world, and between each other, and to forgive and trust one another. Share what they have and encourage one another in wholesome and joyous relationships. A guy named Gavin Reed wrote a book called The Gagging of God. I think it probably has something to do with Revelation. Put it like this. What is needed then is for an organized Christianity to be seen as a cause only a cause that is obviously unselfish, outgoing, compassionate, flexible, and traveling light in terms of structures, that can be a credible source for the message that God is, God loves, God came, and God forgives. Even Mother Teresa said that the worst disease in today's world is not leprosy or cancer. It is the feeling of being uncared for unwanted, or of being deserted and alone. A friend of mine who came uh, into town this last week, he uh, was uh, spending some time in town at our local coffee shop and noticed a young man that came in and uh, said that the young man was obviously um, a little different. He could tell just uh, when he sat down by himself that... um, he probably uh, wasn't expecting anyone to meet him. And so um, this friend, who's a little bit crazy, just went over and uh, <laughs> struck up a conversation and ended up sharing the gospel with him. Actually hitchhiked with this guy because my friend was having my car cleaned while I was gone. And uh, and he walked to the coffee shop and he just asked this guy, hey, can you give me a ride back uh, <laughs> to the to the car wash? Uh, and he used that really probably as an excuse to uh, to talk to this young man. And at the end of the conversation in this guy's car, 
dropping him off. The kid says to him, you know, thank you. Um, just thank you for talking to me. Nobody ever talks to me. And um, um, it was evident that uh, that this guy just was one of the deserted, one of the alone, the uncared for. Um, relationships are everything. It's it's what everyone's looking for, isn't it? Ralph Osborne, the executive director of Faith at Work, says it this way. The search for community is our culture's deepest longing and the Christian faith's greatest promise. I say all that to say to you what I've been hearing is going on is is extremely encouraging, not just because of the timing, but because it's right and it's good and it's what's what's needed in an extraordinary way by everyone who lives and breathes and walks around you. I think really my only challenge to you out of all this this morning, other than just to kind of share with you where I am, I know that um, over the years you've been uh, extremely responsive when I've been extremely transparent. So I want to be transparent with you this morning, but I also want to encourage you that um, there are men and women out there who who are deserted alone. They don't have the relationships maybe that you have. And nobody's going to come sit down next to them at the coffee shop. And nobody's going to strike up a conversation with them. And maybe that's been you. And maybe uh, maybe what you're finding in this body of Christ in even the hardest of times is that, praise the Lord, you, you have an extended, not just friendship, but you have an extended family that you've been able to uh, just sit with and cry with and uh, and laugh with. And uh, I know I've had the feeling, and, and, and maybe you've had it too, and some of you have even said it to me, I don't know what people do who don't have the Lord and who don't have a church body. I, I just don't. I, um, I can't imagine how alone that place must feel. When, when life hits, and life does hit. No doubt, I think Jesus had, uh, he had relationships in mind when He spoke of the church as a city set on a hill. This place where you can go and live that everyone can see and notice that there's something, there's something attractive about it. There's something desirable about that city set on a hill, not just because the city is beautiful, but because of the inhabitants are in a community that is unlike any other. It may be that we've, we, we uh, take it for granted, the community in which we live in. That city that, that we maybe have built together that, that hasn't necessarily been set on a hill, but kind of just tucked over here in the woods somewhere and we enjoy it but it really needs to be a city set on a hill for everyone to to be drawn to a guy named uh, Stephen Neal in Christian faith today said with the fellowship of those who are bound together by personal loyalty to Jesus Christ 
The relationship of love reaches an intimacy and an intensity unknown elsewhere. Where it is experienced, especially across the barriers of race, nationality, and language, it is one of the most convincing evidences of the continuing activity of Jesus among men. Um, I know that it's Memorial Day weekend and on a regular weekend I would have probably been in uniform and I probably would have, as I have in many years past, talked about the men and women who have over many years stood on the front lines of battle and uh, been willing to sacrifice everything for the cause. And I would have challenged you to celebrate their life their sacrifice. And I probably, like many years in the past, would have read a poem from World War II called Flanders Fields. Um, So this, as you can tell, isn't a Memorial Day message as such. But I, uh, I do think of my wife as a Christian soldier. And uh, one who fell not at the back of the fight, um, but on the very front lines of the battle for the gospel of grace and uh, the restoration of real relationships. I would say on either occasion, the best way to honor those who have fallen is to continue their cause. In Flanders fields, the poppies blow between the crosses row on row that mark our place. And in the sky, the larks still bravely singing fly. Scarce heard amid the guns below, we are the dead short days ago. We lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved. And now we lie in Flanders fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders fields row by row. Please don't let the, the kingdom momentum brought on by Kimberly's life be short-lived. Let's pray. Father in heaven, might we be willing to pick up that torch, hold it high, and in the strength of your Holy Spirit, continue the march, continue the fight. Holy God, would you call up 
Would you call up from way in the back those who need to move to the front? Holy Spirit, would you speak to the spirit of those who, uh, who know they need to move forward in the fight? Take greater responsibility. Take more charge. Be of more courage. Dear Lord, give it to them. And don't let them run out of strength. Don't let them run out of momentum. Lord, you know I need the strength to see those who would take up the torch. Nothing would be more discouraging to this to this one than to see the uh, the flame that is growing in this place to see it grow dim in the days ahead. not by our strength, not by our might, because we are weak. So in our weakness, Lord, we give you every opportunity to be to be strength. Lord, if if anyone's like me, Lord, they... uh, finding it difficult to um, to put into uh, to put into their heart all that they know in their mind all the promises that you've given us Lord all the all the truth that I know of your word Lord I'm having a hard time pushing it into my heart and uh Holy Spirit, would you would you use even that to encourage the flock that has been entrusted to our care? They're not alone, Lord. They're not alone in darkness when it comes. They're not alone in uh, in doubt when when the light seems to be dim and when promises seem to be shaky. Lord, don't let them give up. We together hold on to whatever shred of weak faith we have. But you said we we need only a mustard seed. And I and maybe a, maybe one or two others here, we cry out to you that that's all we've got. The rest, the rest, dear Lord, is up to you. I, I think the good news is, is that's how you want it. And so that's how we'll leave it. In the power of your son, our cornerstone.
In that name we pray and take our full confidence. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.